Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody, welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel, joined by Damon McDonald. It is Sunday 23rd of July 2023. This is episode 267. Damon, what is going on? Well, uh, we have uh, plenty of G1 chatter to kind of sift our way through. A lot of matches, a lot of uh, shows. It's hot. Um... And all that stuff. And you have a... I think we, we we close with a third mic. And I think we're going to open with a third mic as well. <laughs> and it's not Chase Owens. <laughs> it was a good promo at the end of last week's episode. What was that? I'm number one. Bye-bye, listeners. Bye-bye, freaks. Yes. I think that's, that's maybe a, a sound clip we should isolate and add to the soundboard. Oh, now we're talking. I haven't used a soundboard only because... like, I, I'm so glad I didn't the last time because... Like I said, we had so many technical difficulties that um, Dan, editor Dan, had 10 files that I send. And the problem is, is that when it like the error occurs, you know, you just got to save the file and then we restart. It's like they save the files as like just just random string of numbers and letters. And it's like, so I got to listen to every single one. To be like, okay, this is this one matches with this one. It was like a puzzle piece. Um, so yeah, our goal is two files today. <laughs> That's our goal. Speaking of puzzle pieces, I did two escape rooms last oh. week. Have you ever done an escape room? Yes, but um, like there are people that take the the reins of of those situations. And I'm not one of them. Like I'm not the one to be like, okay, everybody, you take this. No, I, I, I don't. I don't know. So to answer your question, I have not the biggest fan. Okay, I am the take the reins person. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> really? Yeah. So I did two last week. One was a, a bank robbery theme one, and um, that was three stars out of five stars in terms of difficulty. Okay. And we got out of that one with about. Between five and ten minutes left. We got stuck on a time zone question because we both sort of mentally blanked that. Um, we were looking for the time zone of Ulan Batar, but forgot that the whole of China is in the same time zone. So that one got unstuck on. But the second one I did was supposed was allegedly their most difficult game. Okay. And I was doing exactly what he said, being the annoying person. He's like, right, I've got this. Okay, I'm looking for this. Right, can you go do over that? Right. And like ruining it for everyone. <laughs> but also 
winning the game with like 15 minutes to spare, <laughs> which I was very smug about afterwards. Not a record time or anything. And I've prepared, I've watched like a little YouTube video the night before with like 10 tips for being successful at escape rooms. And I put that all into action. And man, I was absolutely insufferable. Were- it was great. <laughs> My best day. <laughs> How many people? How many people joined you? Uh, there were six of us all together. So you lost uh, five friends. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, and a wife, but worth it. <laughs> worth it. Totally worth it. Yeah, I mean, I get the idea. I mean, the idea of them is pretty cool, I guess, right? Um, yeah, but it's – I just – like if, if it were just me and one other person, I wouldn't have a problem. But there's always that – like – we had to do them for work before. It was like a team building exercise. Ugh. Team building exercise. I'd rather. I. I swear to you. Uh, I don't think there's anything worse in the world than the, than a work team building event. Ugh. No. No team building involved when I'm there. It's it's me asserting my leadership dominance <laughs> over everyone else, and they're just. It's just me delegating tasks where I see fit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine then. That's fine. You just do me a favor. I'll I'll be in the corner. <laughs> just let me know. When, let me know, <laughs> let me know the door. That, that's what I tell Mally too. I'm like Mally, just stay out of the way. Just don't touch anything. So can stand in the corner. <laughs> right, that'd be me. That, I'd be more than happy with that. I'll uh, I'll give everyone drinks. How about that? Um, just let me know when the door unlocks, and then we can go. All right, that's good. That's cool. I've been listening. You like it? I am. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm in this, I know we said we had to, we're going to just crack on and, and cause I have a thing to do at, at 11. I have a call I had to make. Um, I have gotten to the point where at this ripe age of mine, I am like, I'm just like, I kind of want to do something different in my life. <laughs> As as grand as that sounds, like I just like I just I'm kind of like uh, I I think I'm at the end of the road of this career path. Like I just feel like I'm like Ugh, I mean, do I even want to do this anymore? And so like I don't know, I'm kind of in that mode. I don't, is that is that a midlife crisis? Is is that what that is? Wait, wait, are we talking about the podcast? No. Or are we talking about your day job? day job? Day job, shoot job. Phew, I was sweating there for the <laughs> listeners were as well. Yeah, I was retiring. I was I doing it. Yeah, I just wanted to get your reaction. Ugh. Do you? I mean, like, Esther will want to step in one day, but not yet. She's not ready for that. <laughs> Trust me, she's better than me. I, mean, I got probably got more fans, too. Um, now, career-wise, I was just like, I'm just like, all right, do, what do I want to do? And I, I don't know. I, but I, I, here's the problem. I kind of do know what I want to do. Um, So I'm working toward that, so... We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, you should become an EFL teacher, teach English as a foreign language, get on the jet program, fly out to Japan, and then you can um, live out, I was going to say your dreams. I mean, it's <laughs> probably a bit of a grandiose term if you're teaching English as a foreign language, but uh, your dreams are certainly being in Japan all the time. So there you go. If you, if you want to pursue that, then let me I'll know. I'll start a YouTube channel. I'll call it Damon Abroad. <laughs> <laughs> no? It's great, very novel right? idea. No one's done that yeah, before. I don't think there's, I don't think anybody's done that. All right. Um, when, when when are we going to get to do a collab with him? I mean, he's he's aware of New Japan, isn't yeah. he? Why why has that not happened before? Listeners, can you um bombard yeah. Chris Broad with suggestions? Just say you've got a team, do a collaboration with these guys. 
send him to a New Japan show and then do a podcast yes. with us. Yes. Why? I mean, why is that not happening? Yeah, I I just well, you know, he's moving to he's moving that studio that he built. Um, like he's getting married and all this stuff. He's you know he's got a girlfriend and everything. I think his name is Charlotte, is it? Um, and uh, yeah, they're, they're they're moving to Tokyo proper, if you will, and they had to build a the, they had to take down the set, move it. Why am I talking about this guy's life? The, the set, it got <laughs> destroyed by a, the typhoon or something, didn't no. it? No, what typhoon? It had that really cool sort of slide. Well, I could, there was some sort of extreme weather situation. Oh, in, yeah. Do was it Sendai? Yeah. I don't know where he had the studio, but he had that really cool sort of Blade Runner Wait. style um, setup. And then it all got wrecked by whatever natural disaster. I remember. Then. I can't remember which one. Yeah. It was, sorry, but yeah. yeah, it was like, yeah, you might be right. Not might be right. You are right. Um, well, yeah, then he got it repaired, but then now they're moving to a studio in Tokyo because that's where they're going to live. And uh, yeah, <laughs> we're doing a podcast about a podcast. <laughs> it's called Brain Meta. <laughs> we're fucking dopes. Uh, he'll never want to. But it, like, he likes very similar music to what I like. Very similar. I mean, there's Duran Duran references and uh, other uh, 80s late 80s, early 90s band references all the time, all the time. So I think, uh, I think, yes, please, listeners, let's let's uh, let's harass him so that he can block all of you. <laughs> 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 uh, we're stars. We're famous. No, we're not. Uh, no, we're not. All right. Hey, look, G1 or 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 better yet, take take the wheel. Take the wheel. Lead us where we need to go. How about that shampoo commercial? I know. I just saw it. Andrew writes in, does this commercial make you want to wash your hair with Cal Merritt shampoo? Now, you know, there's a lot of discourse about Just Five Guys, Sonata particularly, but he's in this advert, yeah. isn't he? So that means he's officially a star. So all the people that say he's not a star are wrong because he's... Yeah, there he is. He's in yeah. it. I mean, it's primarily featuring Doki, who has... The best hair. Has, has he got the mm. best hair? I think he does have the best he's hair. The, he's got a nice receding uh, hairline. Just my guys. <laughs> That's what he's got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, well, look at, I mean, this is wonderful. I'm, I'm going to retweet it if anyone hasn't seen it, but it's a great uh, commercial with all of the Just Five Guys people shampooing their hair, looking really happy. Yeah. <laughs> Docky, uh, do you think he wears the mask in the shower? He's wearing the mask in the advert. <laughs> I hope so. Very luscious. I'd be disappointed if he didn't. It probably stinks if he doesn't wash it. You know, breathing and everything. Um, look, how many? All kidding aside. Okay, so I think you can count on one hand how many pro wrestlers have been in actual legitimate product endorsing commercials in modern times. You know, back in the day, the day, uh, you know, you had uh, wrestlers. I mean, it wasn't commonplace, but you had wrestlers in commercials, of course. Anoki, Abdullah, um, I think Brody was in a commercial, maybe. I could be wrong. But, you know, it's happened. You know, it's, uh, it's not that uncommon. And then, but like, I mean, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Okada. Who else? 
Shinsuke was Shinsuke in a commercial? I'm not sure. Uh, but again, you can count them on, it feels like one hand. So it's got to be saying something, right? Something. Unless like it's Doki's sister <laughs> who's, who's, who's producing the commercial. And she was just badgered by Doki to, to, to be in this commercial. And she just finally relented. That's probably what it was. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Let us dream. Let us uh, enjoy it. Living in a fantasy that. Sanada and Just Five Guys and Doki are all megastars and breaking through the cross-cultural pop, pop culture barrier. And that's it. This is going to be the road to recovery for New Japan through shampoo commercials. So well done uh, to those yeah. guys. But, uh, yeah, we do have a, a hard time limit on today's show. So let's crack on then. And just a few sort of big picture stuff with the G1. Uh, first of all, Kevin Kelly, no more guest commentary. And he says that's his call. He says he doesn't want to interrupt uh, the wrestlers' preparations and sort of uh, post-match, well, would you say, walk-down relaxation? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, he doesn't want to have anyone as guest commentary anymore because he feels like he's uh, imposing upon their yeah. uh, downtime preparation yeah. and downtime. Yeah, thoughts on that? Um, I think it's more to do with Kevin Kelly's antisocial. <laughs> Behavior. I think it's one of the more. <laughs> yeah, Chase Owens on once was just like, oh, fuck this. Right. right. I'm not sitting next to this guy again. <laughs> right. He'd rather be alone. Trust me. <laughs> I, I almost, I can almost guarantee it. Um, uh, I mean, look, it's, uh, it's, 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 one, it, it's not like he hasn't done it before, you know, solo, flying solo. And I, I sometimes I enjoy that more than everybody having to get their goddamn shit in. Um, I let's put it this way: I'd rather have one than three, right? I'd rather have one than three. So, yeah, I mean, just do they do the? I don't know. Do the wrestlers actually add anything to the broadcasts? I don't know. You know, it's, it just seems like it's they all come from the school of pro wrestling gorilla where they have to make snarky comments and fucking, you know, I don't know. Not for me. Not for me. I'm, I'm happy with a solo show. Yeah, me too. I think sometimes the guest stuff, at best, it can just be like a regular guest commentator. At worst, it's actively distracting you from the show. So um, don't have a problem with it. I think, you know, Kevin's more than capable of doing uh, a great job as a solo commentary. So, yeah, no issues with that. Um, let's talk about time limits. Louis says, I both love and hate the 20-minute time limit. However, it does build that drama of a draw. How have you guys been enjoying or disliking the time limit? And to sort of piggyback off that, Damon, I think it was Okada made a suggestion that they don't do the um, three minutes left, two minutes left, one minute left calls to increase the excitement. So how have you felt now that we're six nights in about the 20-minute time limit? I like the 20-minute time limit. Um, I think everybody knew when they made the change that either A, it's a, it's a nice soft way to give people ties um, instead of losses, right? Um, with When maybe they didn't, you know, they don't want people to lose. Uh, it, I like the calls. I think the, the, the time limit calls add to the element of drama. Uh, 
I like the fact that they tease the time limit draw, you know, with guys getting wins in the last minute. Uh, I, I love that. Absolutely love that. Anything that can keep me on my toes and kind of keep me from second, you know, not second guessing, but like kind of, uh, I can see where this is fucking going kind of thing, uh, the better. Like to me, that's fantastic. And, but, and to make it as, you know, this, this is a, a, you know, this is not just a pro wrestling thing. This could happen anywhere. You know, how many times have, has a gold been scored in extra time or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. So I, I do like that. Um, I, I have no problem with it. And it just, I, I feel like it, it kind of speaks to something that you've been saying for countless shows is that not every match needs, not every main event, not every needs to go 36 minutes or 30, whatever minutes. Um, now the, the flip side to that, Joel, is this. Sometimes it feels like they're trying to squeeze in 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag. Right. Like, like they're shaving time off of these matches to have the amount of people in G1 that they do. You know, there's eight matches a show, it feels, you know, and, and even at 20 minutes, it sometimes feels a little long. Um, so that kind of leads me to believe that a shorter, uh, pool of talent is the best way to go instead of the time limit. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I think it seems to be primarily like a storytelling device for the Rewa Three Musketeers at the moment because all the draws have happened in A-block. Right. So um, it's been... Shota Umino's had two draws and Suji also had a draw with Ren Narita. So... Yeah, something's happening there, and I think maybe that needs to be discussed within the context of the three musketeers themselves. But um, yeah, I like it. I mean, I think it's adding drama. I think it's adding pace to the matches. Uh, I don't think it's a, a massive change from previous years because mostly in G1, even when they have a 30-minute time limit, most matches will be under 20 anyway. Right. But uh, yeah, it just adds a little bit of extra excitement for the, um, you know, when you get into the 18, 19-minute phase and you know, sometimes you convince it's heading for a draw and it isn't. So, yeah, I like it. I think so. Yeah, me too. And again, I think it's like like you said, it's it's pre-built for guys to not have to lose. You know, to have continuous losses. Um, and it's a, just a little bit more saving face kind of thing for guys that you're you 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 know everyone knows that they've invested in these guys to be the next crop to be the next stars and to have them go, you know, one and eight or one and six or whatever. Um, just doesn't help make that happen. So a a tie is an easy way to kind of accomplish that, uh, accomplish both objectives. So, yep. I like it. 20 minutes. And this is something we touched on last week as well, but multiverse says how concerned should we be at some of the attendance numbers so far for the G1? Is it more indicative of New Japan being in a rebuilding phase or did COVID do irreparable damage where some in Japan won't ever feel comfortable going to indoor events again? Um, I, I think from people I've spoken to, the economy is also a factor here. You know, people just don't have the amount of disposable income that they did 
prior to COVID. But I would also point at the Muto retirement show where, what was that, around 30,000 yep. in Tokyo Dome? So I think if the event is hot enough and the, you know the matches are exciting enough and the stars are big enough, people will go yep. to it. Uh, I don't think you can point to any of these G1 shows so far and say, you know, these are unmissable with top stars. They are in a, a transitional phase. They are in a rebuilding phase. So um, the attendance numbers are not good. I don't think they're going to be popping any champagne over them. Um, but I think looking at how they do next year, because, you know, we're in the rebuilding phase now where we're building up the new stars. If it's plateaued again, if it's the same next year, then I think yeah, we should be concerned. But at the moment... Yeah, I, I'm not going to be crying into my cornflakes over it. Yeah, I mean, it's not good in the sense just from a, a, a bottom dollar kind of, you know, are we in the black or are we in the red kind of thing, you know. Um, but you're right. I, I, I can't – it is a transitional year. Um, and I don't know. Timing was was everything. They couldn't have done it earlier. Like I like again, I just feel like this is is a transition year, and next year is going to be a real. That's the test, I think. That's the test, um, and it just, I don't know. It kind of feels like New Japan is in the let's get as much money as we can kind of mode <laughs> um, uh, with Wrestle Kingdom tickets and even something as silly as. Again, I bring it up all the time, but that Junior Festival thing in Philly, um, which I'm actually going to, by the way, uh, a good friend and listener to the uh, show, uh, Jeff, has uh, made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I'll be sitting in the second row. <laughs> I'll be sitting in the second row for that. Uh, so I will be there uh, in, in attendance so everyone can say hi if, you, if you're there. If you were New Japan management, Damon, would you be thinking of moving back to the 20-man field for G1? Do you think that the diluted field and the uh, higher volume of sort of shitter matches on the undercard might be playing a factor here for the attendances? Do you think a sort of high-quality, tightened-up 20-man field might do better in terms of ticket sales? I I do. I mean, I understand why they, they want to have guys in there that are, as the kids would say, mid. Um, just because, again, you need to have people lose. In the same breath, though, it's like, I don't think... You don't. I mean, there have been plenty of years where we've had blocks where I know. it's, you know, everyone at the end of it has come out with, like, a, the floor has been eight points and it's been really, really tight. Like, Eight points, ten points, twelve points. There's very little to separate the top from the bottom. So, I know, but but yeah. it's also the, again the this is a transition year, right? And and the idea of having those guys in in a block fall, you know, somebody somebody would have to fall by the wayside. Um, I don't know. I look. Do I think that there are people in this year's uh, G1 that shouldn't be or that I would prefer not to be? Yes. Yes, of course. Yeah, save those bullets. We're going to get to those fuckers. Don't <laughs> okay. worry. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't think there's any shock uh, in some of the names that we'll probably talk about. But, okay, maybe there will be. Uh, my point being is this. 
in the years where we had, well, even Fale, like, okay, Fale stunk, but like at least, I don't know, he, it, he, he did play a role. Um, yeah, he was protected. Yeah. He was never a, a jobber. Yeah. And conversely, a, a, yeah, a win over him felt significant. Right. Yeah, it really did. Like if you, yeah, it really did. I would like to see it go back to to twenty or in, in like I I feel like there's too many people in it and it's it I don't think anybody like of all the main events that have been so far is there anyone that was like oh I circled that one because I would buy a ticket for it I don't I don't know <laughs> if that's the case for me. Yeah, they've, they've not front-loaded this tour at all. It's like, like I think the best is going to come this week when we've got the Coracoon Hall double yes. header. And then also towards the end, obviously, when we get to the knockout phase. But quite like traditionally in G1s, they have front-loaded it and put a lot of sexy matches at the start. They've absolutely not done that this year. I mean, you look at night one and saw that headline by Sanada versus Hikaleo. So it's, you know, I don't think we've seen the best of it so far. Let's put it that way. Correct. Uh, I would, I would a thousand percent agree, and that's not to say that we haven't had surprises and fun, and there, uh, there have been some pretty great matches to boot. It's just, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, if it, you know, by stretching out the amount of wrestlers in G1, what we've also done is stretch out nights. Four, five, six, and they have bled over into what was at least felt like good openings, like really solid shows for openings. Um, And, you know, hopefully it doesn't impact too much the later shows. But, yeah, you're right. And I will say this, too, that aside from, like, the the first show of G1, um, the opening night, it's it's kind of like my recollection that Corkin was the where things really started popping off, right? Things really started happening. Um, and I think those Corkin shows will be great no matter what, because I think it'll be packed, it'll be crowded, it'll be noisy, uh, and I think the guys kind of maybe amp it up a little bit. Look. Uh, there and we've also sorry to interrupt, but we, we've had a chance for the stories to cook a bit, and there's stakes now. You know, some guys are on losing streaks, some guys are on winning streaks. So I think if you put those Coraquin shows at the start, then maybe it wouldn't have had that extra juice that it, it now has now that we've sort of allowed some of those narratives to start developing. Yeah, and and here's the thing too, it, you know, no matter what injuries happen and guys, you know, get, kind of get banged up, and, and we've seen that in many cases so far um, and having those cork and shows maybe earlier while everyone's at a hundred percent or, you know, at least a decent, you know, health wise, they can put on some pretty great shows. But again, let's like, I'm not down on this year by any stretch, but I'm cautiously optimistic that things will pick up greatly come these Corrigan shows. All right, well, let's get into the blocks then. So 
A block, we are leading with Sanada, the champion who's got three wins out of three. So he's beaten Hikaleo, he's beaten Shota Umino, he's beaten Yotosuji, so he's got six points. It's a bit tiresome that every time his name comes up, it turns into a referendum on how loudly he's getting cheered, which is boring to me. I mean, there's other more interesting discussions to be had. And, you know, personally, I think the receptions he's getting are fine. I've said before, he is not a megastar on the level of an Okada or Naito. I've said that before. You know, I'm not going to go over all that again. But, um, you know, by the end of the, was it night uh, five, when he had that main, main event against Yotosuji and he was doing his post-match stuff, like, the crowd love him. You know, I, I don't think it's accurate to say that he's going out to crickets. And I think that's also ignoring a lot of the good stuff that he's doing on this tour and working with a lot of younger and less experienced wrestlers and being a good foil to them and sort of helping build up uh, a lot of sort of babyface energy when he's been going against the Reiwa Three Musketeers. So I think he's been good. I think he's had a good tournament so far. I, I not only think he's had a good tournament, I think he's had a a decent reign, right? Like, like I just, I just don't get, um, the idea that he's not doing a good job. And again, all the things that you had mentioned, over, over, and above the fact that the guy, uh, he's, he's really stepped up his game. I feel like. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't get the idea. Like he is in, in no way, shape or form like a, a, a terrible world champion. He's just not, um, is he my favorite? Is he my, no, no, he's not. But yeah, I don't, I don't, as a guy who hasn't been, has never, never been a big Sonata fan. I'm saying that but no problems. I got no problems with him. And, and especially his G1. Um, I don't think he's, he's had... I don't think he's had a bad G1. I mean, it's not fucking tremendously great. But again, can we... Let's let's wait for these Corkin shows and let's wait till... You know, you know he's going to be in the mix toward the finals. Let's see. Let's let's see when when it really matters how he does. Yeah, and I think sort of looking at the new beginning match with Shota Umino against Naito. You know, Umino's just put in there against a megastar like Naito, and in terms of the the atmosphere and the reactions they wanted for Umino, it just didn't work because Naito's such a big star that he kind of sucked all that up. He he sort of dwarfed Umino, whereas I think in a weird way, maybe this is a backhanded compliment, but the fact that Sanada is not such a megastar is allowing these younger guys to sort of cook and, and get the crowd reactions that they want. Whereas if you had the belt on like an Okada or a Naito or the, the sort of person that the Western fan would say is a star and deserves to have it, then, you know, maybe we wouldn't be getting this this kind of growth from them. So I think there's something to be said about Sanada being sort of fairly understated in the way he projects himself, but that being a benefit to the stories they're trying to tell in a block with this next generation of stars coming up. So uh, I think it's deliberate and having him, I don't want to say he's a transitional champion, but he's, I think the belt is on him for a reason why, 
while we are restacking the bench with these, you know, the next generation of superstars, rather than having the belt on uh, one of your, your top guys like an Okada or a Naito. So I think it's working really well personally, and, and I'm just tired of having the same conversation over and over again about how much noise and oh, is this guy a star or not. I, I don't think that's the point, whether or not he's a star. We're not supposed to be looking at him. We're supposed to be looking at the next generation. I think all eyes are on them, and that is a, a intended, that is deliberate by having Sonata as your champion, if that makes sense. Absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. I, I, look, the people who don't think that he's championship worthy, I guess, are the same people who, you know, are kind of locked in a, in a 2018 bubble, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're kind of the people that I describe. So, uh, I'm not, I'm really not that concerned. All right. Then we've got Kaito Kiyomiya who is on five points. So he has beaten Chase Owens, fairly functional match. Uh, he drew with Shota Umino. And he beat Yotosuji, of course, um, earlier on in the tournament. So William says, how do you think the booking of Kaito has been so far? Uh, he's really impressed me so far. I'm always sort of a bit skeptical with these guys coming from outside companies because I've not seen a huge amount of him. And he's been kind of tarnished by all the sort of secondhand stuff I'm hearing about, the the Muto feud, which you know, there's a lot of discussion about whether or not that was good for Kaito. But I think he's looked really great in this G1. He's getting good reactions and... I'm still at the point where the amount of cross-promotional collaboration makes me think, I don't think he is joining New Japan. I think this is just everyone playing nice and sharing their toys. But I would say that him starting off so strong makes me less confident about him getting out of the block. I'm just still looking at that final night against... Ren Narita and thinking that Ren is playing spoiler there because Ren's talked a lot about the rivalry with Noah. And I suppose the big tell will be how he gets on against Sanada because if he beats Sanada and you know, sets up a title opportunity maybe at the Sumo Hall Destruction Show in October, then I think that would be a great spot for him. But I don't think they would give him that and also into the quarterfinals as well. I think that just not that I think it's a bad idea. Just that sounds too generous for New Japan. You know, we know what they're like with the uh, when they're right. collaborating with other promotions. But all that put to one side, I think he's been a great benefit to the tour. We get great reactions. The match has been terrific, and yeah, big thumbs up from me. Me too. And I and I said it before that having that Noah influence in G One traditionally has been it's it's always seemed to add an extra spark. Uh, and those guys add an extra level. Uh, I I've been nothing but pleased. Uh, I, you know, do you think that New Japan is aware that everyone is in on the start out slow, be there by the finals, and and vice versa? You know, get off to a hot start and then fall apart at the end. Do you think everybody's do you think any I guess my point is is that do you think they're intentionally kind of saying, okay, we're not gonna do that. He's just gonna go on a fucking run um and 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 go. Or do you think at well, as you said, I guess here's the problem I have. And not that it's a problem, it would be great for from a new Japan perspective, but do you really think they're gonna give a guy like like they're going to feed a Noah guy to the wolves 
um, and have him lose to a guy who is relatively inexperienced. I think there's sort of two different flavors of the initial strong run. There's the stuff like, you know, I'm looking at other blocks and seeing like Okada six points, Finley six points. I think those are guys who are almost certainly going to get out of their blocks. But then there's the sort of John Moxley, Shelton X, Benjamin run where they go flying out of the blocks, four wins from four, but then they, they go on the losing streak towards the end. So I'm sort of leaning more towards the latter than the former. I mean, I think it would be cool if they did the former. Like, I wouldn't have any objections really to Kaito sustaining this run and having a really strong block and, you know, getting out to the quarterfinals and maybe even going deeper than that because he's a good wrestler and I like to see good wrestlers in big matches. I think it's cool. So um, I'm ambivalent on, you know, which one it is. I think that both of them have their merits. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, again, from a New Japan perspective, how great would it be? Um, to get for him to get a big win but um i don't know i just there's something about it that's just like wow we're really (laughs) and again new japan does have a track record but but even in that track record it's it's you know usually it's like the okadas and the tanahashis and and the naitos and and all those guys that that take care of the top guys of noah as opposed to uh, what we're asking for here right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, look, it, I wouldn't have a problem either way. I would not have a problem either way because I think he's a talent. And, um, but he, right, good good wrestlers in big matches, uh, I'll never complain about. We have Chase Owens, who has four points. So he... Has the win over Hikuleo. He's got a win over Gabe Kidd. Lost to Kiyomiya. I was made to promise that I would not prejudice any of the Chase Owens discussion. So I'm going to let you go first. And please talk to me about Chase Owens. Um, I mean, I don't understand what's going on, to be honest with you, with uh, <laughs> what's, uh, the the, uh, the madhouse that is... What, what, what did you think of his Hikuleo match? How, how did you find the match with Hikuleo? I mean, it was okay. Um, it wasn't terrible. Do you think it was terrible? <laughs> I, it c- c- caused our Discord to have a complete Why? meltdown, like a unilateral meltdown. Everyone lost their minds. The result of this, and again, I'm not condoning this. This is this is disgusting behavior, and I'm borderline deleting the whole Discord. It it ended up as a direct result of this Chase Owens Hickelow match with a group of people fantasy booking. Um, a stable led by a character they've called Halal Chris Benoit, oh. leading a team of um, Muslims to take on opponents that they feel were haram. And this was not just done with talking and text and stuff. They actually did sketches of this. They went into one of these rest, like I don't know if it was a WWE wrestling game, and actually made this character and having a wrestling match with chase owens it it was just insane like just an absolute bunch of lunatics on the discord um so uh, i I don't know dave i I cannot i can't i don't know why (laughs) but there's something about chase owens that's causing a subsection of the fans to have extremely visceral reactions and if you say to them he's a crafty veteran then that's just like a, a red flag to a ball. They will lose their minds over that. Is it that they, <laughs> I mean, I thought, is it that they don't like him or that they do like him? 
Oh, they absolutely despise okay. him. Like they are repulsed by him. Just everything that he stands for, they just causing them to be, in some cases, physically ill. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't have that same feeling. I think he's. I, I do want to like the, the Hikaleo match was quite remarkable that he managed to not let Hikaleo get in any offense whatsoever. And there was zero reaction from the crowd. Like you could have heard a mouse fart in there. And when he was doing that little bit, he, he did um, Hikaleo's choke slam tour yeah. with raising his hand in the air. Absolute crickets. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and this was a hot crowd. They were up for everything on this show. But then something about Chase Owens and Hikaleo just killed them stone dead. Yes. It was as silent as a crit. Okay. I, just, I mean, what do, what, do, what, what, what do we expect? <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like, what, 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 did, what did they want? <laughs> I don't know. He, he could have let some he could have let do some wrestling moves on what? him. That, do what? That would have been his start, do what? <laughs> what? 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 He's going to toss him to the outside and throw him into the guardrail. What the fuck's he going to do? Um, I don't know. I, I like the I the, the yeah. Please just end the Discord, please. Just end it. <laughs> Just you, I, you look. If, we're, if if there's a vote or somewhere we can cast a ballot, I am in favor of blowing it up. <laughs> Just ending it. Just ending it. All right. Um, do me a favor. Uh, I have to go take a screenshot of my wife's phone. <laughs> Eight. So, uh, why don't you do the next? Why don't you, Kevin Kelly, the next uh, wrestler, and I will be right back. How about that? Sure. All right. Okay. So the next person I'm going to talk about is Gabe Kid, who is also on four points. So Gabe Kid has the loss to Chase Owens, but he has since defeated Hikolo and Ren Narita. And I've seen mixed receptions for Gabe Kid's G1 so far. I've seen a lot of criticism for his match structure, about him jumping people before the bell. And I thought that was overblown, really. And my metric for whether or not a pre-match beatdown is successful was, was there anything cool? Did something cool and awesome happen in that outside of the ring brawl? And I think on both occasions where Gabe Kidd has done it, he's done something cool. He's done like the perk angle sort of uh, tope from the stage. Uh, He did that against... uh, Gay Kids in his first match and against Hikaleo. I mean, this is not like a lazy walk and brawl he was doing. He ended up taking a, a back body drop onto a pile of chairs. So that was one awesome thing. And the second awesome thing was when he was throwing uh, Hikaleo among all the chairs. And there was that one old dude who was just refusing to move. He was just like, no, fuck you. I'm not getting up. I pay for my ticket. I'm not moving, which was also cool and memorable. So I don't think it's fair to sort of say that it's like lazy walk and brawl because I think he's working really hard to show a lot of aggression and he's taking some crazy bumps and doing some crazy dives to try and make it exciting. And I think it has been exciting. And when he gets it back into the ring, I mean, I know in terms of in-ring time, if we're looking at the uh, Owens match, that was two minutes, 55 seconds. And the uh, match against Hikaleo was three minutes, 29 after he got into the ring and the belt. And he, he goes hard. You know, this is not just him going through the motions and then getting straight to the finish. He is going full throttle. 
he's violent, he's aggressive, there are hard strike exchanges, he's taking some wild bumps. I mean, the Hikuleo match, he seemed to take a neck bump on a, a sidewalk slam or something, and I'm not sure how or why that happens, but it was pretty cool, not going to lie. And and then I think all of the, uh, the doubts and the criticism for Gabe have to people have to admit they're wrong on that after the Ren Narita match because I know there were some worries that every single match was going to follow that same formula but in the Ren Narita match Ren was anticipating it so they subverted that really well where Ren knew it was coming and they ended up going straight to the ring pretty much and having a really great 10 minute match and you could see there was a lot of mutual respect there and they just beat the piss out of each other and I thought both guys came away from that looking really good so I really hard Gabe. Like, I think he's been fantastic. I think he is a really interesting heel counterpoint to the Three Musketeers because whilst all the eyes are going to be on them, I think they need a bad guy for yes. You know, there needs to be someone on the outside to sort of bounce off of. And I think Gabe Kidd is that guy because he's, you know, gone through the dojo with a lot of these guys. And, you know, he is cheating in the match. It's fine. You know, he's doing the grab the ref and doing the sort of, He'll, the, the mule kick into the guy's balls. But I think that's good. You know, it works for him. This is a guy who's tried to get every advantage he can. And to me, that works. I, I don't think I can just sort of hand wave that and go, oh, you know, so he was cheating, so it's crap. He's putting in a lot of effort. He's going hard. Um, the promos are great. Just the energy that he brings to the ring, I, I think he's having a very strong G1. So yeah, far. no doubt. Sorry uh, for that little uh, break. Um, yes. Uh, I, if, if, if it's Gabe Kidd, that we're talking about. I absolutely, I love the energy that he brings. Like, I love the fact that, you know, for a few nights there, it was about, you know, that hot opening and, and we're brawling in the crowd and, you know, we're doing all that. But then, you know, we're going to, we're going to switch it up a bit. Um, he gives me, he, he was doing Sakura Genesis callbacks in the Ren match. He was doing callbacks to the Okada Shibata yeah. match. Like the, 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 was it the bitch maker, you know, when he does the Rainmaker ripcord set up and then slapped him and then he teased the massive headbutt. And I know of all the people on that in the field, you would expect Gabe to be the one person who would actually go for that shoot headbutt. Yeah. So just, you know, the sheer sicko mode of doing callbacks to the match that, well, ended Shibata's New Japan career for all intents and purposes. Like, you've got to respect that. Yeah. Well, listen, he still has a uh, ring of honor. So don't, don't, don't feel too bad. <laughs> um, yes. He he is a like we we're we're throwing praise and we're predicting the future for three guys and and sometimes I feel like we forget that yes there is that heel for it's not always going to be those three guys wrestling each other you know from now and for the next fifteen years right it's it's a huge element it's a it's a huge piece of the pie but yes we have now we also have these young heels these young uh foils if you will that will be in the mix i i love you know you know what gabe gives me he gives me uh buzz sawyer vibes i don't know if you're familiar with buzz sawyer but like he reminds me so much of him um, maybe not necessarily, well, even a little bit in a wrestling style in a sense of, you know, a somewhat wild card or, you know, like a loose cannony kind of guy. And, you know, but, it, but also has that fantastic wrestling background. Like, 
I don't know. I think there's so much upside to a guy like that. Um, I, like he's one of those guys that I'm excited every time I see, like he's on the show. Like his matches, like I'm like, okay, wh- wh- what else you got up your fucking sleeve? Like I, I dig him. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I, I feel him a lot. Like, like he, I don't know. I, th- I think I'll, I think a lot of upside is there with Gabe Kidd. I absolutely do. We've also got Ren Narita on two points. So uh, Ren has got the time limit draws with Shota and Suji and then lost to Gabe Kidd. I think out of all the three muskets, he is bottom, but I don't think that he's been bad. Yeah. I think he's been good. I think people are sort of being overblown in their criticism of him just by virtue of how great Umino and Suji have been. But I think Ren really started to get into his groove in that Gabe Kidd match. I think he needs someone who's going to push the pace and hit him really hard. So I think he needs to have that same energy and intensity and mainly sort of the, the aggression in the strikes because some of his strikes can look surprisingly soft for a guy who sort of modelled himself on Shibata. But he was really cooking in that Gabe Kidd match, so I want him to build on that and keep that same energy. And again, I don't think he's been bad, but if he wants to keep up with those with those guys in his class, then he needs to show a little bit more. Yeah, I think... The one thing that I notice is, and again, I, I, these are all young guys that have plenty more to learn. But okay, it, it, like you mentioned, two names that I think have what Ren doesn't, um, and that is a presence and a like. It feels like. Those other two have, I hate to say it, but it, right? Whereas Ren, it's it's more of a struggle kind of getting that star power element out. Um, and again, I think a, a, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, he, you know, the storyline of, of him being under Shibata's wing. Um, might have that, but 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 in the same breath, like Shibata is like he does have that charisma. I don't want to say, but he does have that certain energy about him that took. Let's be honest here; it wasn't like he just walked into a fucking ring and then it happened. Like it was a build and a reputation that he had built, and um. You know him going into MMA and you know a lot of a lot of shit that that went into that. It wasn't like he just fucking showed up against Ishi and became you know incredibly great. It's been it's it was a long time coming, and not for nothing, as I like to say, uh, you go back in time. A lot of what people have said about Ren. They said about Shibata, you know, it's not like Shibata again walked in and I'm a star. No, no. And a lot of the same criticisms that were that were were given Ren, Shibata had back in the day. So, like, 
I, I, I know we do a weekly podcast and we're, we, and everybody's excited to track progress, but boy, we are in just the, like the infancy here and to put like the pressure on these guys, like, look, we don't know what the fuck's going to happen in two or three years. Pro wrestling is weird. Right? We, who knows what's going on? You know what? They might wake up one morning and be like, fuck this. I'm going to go play baseball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't know. Um, but, and it's, and it's hard to do because everyone's excited. We got we to gotta fucking relax a little bit. Give it time. There's going to be ups and downs along the way. Um, I, look, I don't think, like, and again, let's use Naito as, a, as an example. Like, does did anyone think that his career was going to be what it has been when he was the Stardust genius? I don't know. They tried. As a matter of fact, they fucking shoved it down your throat. They gave him a G1 win. I don't know. Just let's give it time. Right now where he is, I'm I'm kind of okay with. Not kind of okay with. I'm more than okay with. Because, again, it's just so fucking young in the timeline. That brings us nicely on to talking about Shota Umino, who has two points. So he had that opening draw with Ren, and he's since uh, drawn with Kaito Kiyomiya and lost to Sanada. I think we're at the point where the Shota haters are eating crow here, because for me, he's been one of the MVPs of this G1 so far. I know he's a bit dorky, and he will probably never fit the aesthetic of what we as Western fans judge as cool, especially judging him against John Moxley. But when that bell goes, he just owns that ring. And the intensity that he brings, the, the sharpness and crispness of his wrestling, the way that he sells, you know, that moment where he was selling the figure four with Kaito, that was tremendous. And the crowd are living and dying by everything that he does. Like, he's got that crowd connection already. And, you know, you can't overstate the, overstate, you can't understate the importance of that especially this early on in his career. So he is a guy who, in spite of the fact that he's only got two points, I think he has just come on so far. Like we are watching this kid grow before our eyes and just the confidence and the aura. Like I'm, I get Tanahashi vibes from him. Honestly, this early on, I just think he has absolutely stepped up to the plate. Yeah. it, it It's, look, some guys have it, you know? <laughs> some guys have it. And the wrestling, the actual in-ring, that will obviously get better and better and better. And it, it, and if he's starting at this level, when it comes to the other stuff that make pro wrestlers great, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, like, this is where he is now. Imagine, I, I keep saying it, but imagine two years from now, three years from now, um, as, you know, their their time in front of crowds, their time in front of crowds, people. You know, they these guys were all short shafted, short shafted, short shafted. Hmm, I don't think that's the word. Um, uh, they were they were fucking 
they, they were put in handcuffs in the you know with everything that has gone down in the past three years. Um, and and it feels like now they're finally getting an opportunity to show what they got. Show me what you got, and they are. I, look, if we could, if there was a way we could fast forward New Japan Pro Wrestling two years, three years, I think we're in for a real fucking treat. And Yotosuji, then he has one point, so. He lost on the opening to Kiyomiya, and he since then had a draw with Ren Narita and lost to Sanada. So that was a bit of a surprise for a lot of people who thought he might get his win back over Sanada. So they're still telling this story where, you know, he's, he's running his mouth, but he's not able to back it up in the ring. And I think the performances have been great. You know, he, if anything, is out charismaing Shota. I think just the, the charisma that Suji has is on another level. So if I'm ranking them, then I would still have Suji at the top, maybe a short gap between him and Umino, and then a more significant gap between Umino and Ren. But they're definitely telling some sort of story with Suji. And again, I'm not panicking. This is not something I'm worried about. I'm not sort of banging my fist. Why hasn't he won yet? They're building up to that point where I think his first win is going to be a moment and is going to be significant. So uh, again, I'm sort of putting trust in the narrative here that this is a, a cocky kid who's all talk, but not able to back it up yet with his big finishing move, the spear. It's just not happening for him. People are countering it, people are reading it, and he's not been able to successfully land it. But I think it speaks volumes to how charismatic and talented he is that he has not won a match yet since his re-debut from Excursion, but he is still feels like he's being treated like a, a megastar right. by the crowds. And he, you know, he still carries that confidence and that aura and that charisma. Like do, by no means are the crowds or any of us viewers treating him like a loser or a jobber. So I don't think there's any danger of that happening. I'm just, you know, I'm here for the ride. I'm excited to see where they go with it because he's just, every time I see him, I think, yeah, this guy has got it. Yeah. He, it is, look, uh, sometimes I sit here and I think, man, I really would love for New Japan to flip the script a little bit and just, I don't know, not have it be, you know, young lion graduates, comes into his own and, and, you know, learns what it really takes to be a pro wrestler. You know, sometimes I wish they would kind of skip that part, but again, I think that's more about my impatience and, um, you know, the fact that maybe I want things sooner than later and instant gratification. But truth be told, I don't I, like you're right in the sense that the guy hasn't won a match. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it is pretty amazing that we're putting him at the top of the list. We're putting him as the guy that is the most ready for the rocket. Um, all, all of that. And it's there. You could see it like, like he and the crowd sees it too. And yet, you know, it's still, you know, he hasn't won. Can you name another person who hasn't won a match that has had, uh, at least in the New Japan world, um, as much buzz? <laughs> I, I, I'm really struggling to think. Like, give me a guy who started out just completely, 
like, here's a difference. Uh, and maybe it's not fair because it was in front of a fucking empty building. But, you know, let's take Master Watto. And let's take, you know, Suji, you know, it's like night and day. It really is night and day in the sense that uh, of perception by fans and Japanese and, and, and Western alike. Like to me, that's really telling that it feels like night and day. And I think it's quite interesting what they're doing with the booking of these three guys, rather than just having that strict parity where they're all going to get the same results. They're all going to draw against each other. I think it's being set up so that each of them are going to achieve a unique milestone. Mm. Like, you know, the first person to beat Sanada or the first person to beat Kaito, the first person to get out of the block. I think they're all going to have slightly different trajectories and different achievements. And I think that's a lot more interesting than just them getting equal booking. So I think that's something to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, no doubt. Again, you have to have some patience, though. You really do. Um, and I think a lot of Western fans who grew up with, you know, WWF or WWE or or grew up with, you know, WCW or NWF, you know, a, a lot of times they would bring in people and people and and they would just go on and and perform at a very high level. You know, there there was no. I mean, it's a completely different dynamic, but it wasn't like, you know, there was that slow build, <laughs> you know, when people were ready to debut, they had an entrance and they had pyro and they won matches and they won big matches. Um, and it's just a different mindset. It's a different booking philosophy and it's a different, it's a different world. So, yeah, I mean, if, like if people haven't learned it now, by now. Um, they, they just got to have some patience. It's, it, this is this here, this new Japan, uh, specifically is a product where you need patience. And if you don't have it, you're going to scratch your head and you're going to be like, well, blah, 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 blah. like, like if I feel like Western pro wrestling is like instant hit of dopamine. You know, like that, like that instant hit of a drug or something. And people keep pushing that button for that fucking morphine drip. Whereas New Japan is more of a long-term health, <laughs> right? Long-term uh, physical well-being as opposed to constantly pushing the fucking, I need to feel good. 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 Um and and I, but that's how we were raised. Like that's how that's that's how you know we consumed this product, and to this day we consume that product. Um, it's a it's it's that, that was a Monday Night Wars. Yeah, wasn't it? no doubt. Monday Night Wars. That's all it was. It was that fucking constant hitting that button. Um, and 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 here's the thing. I'm not saying that there's anything necessarily wrong with it, but but know what this is like if that's not going to happen or and when it does happen oh my god it fucking feels tremendous feels fucking great it's like heroin for crying out loud uh not that i would know but you know. um but you get my point right right 
Right, last person in the A block is Hikolo, who has zero points. So lost to Sonata on the first night and has since lost to Gay Kid and Chase Owens. And yeah, I'm worried about him. I thought he'd be booked a lot stronger than this. I thought based on how he was booked early in the year with the big win against Jay White and winning the strong title and being protected that he would get the same sort of protection of booking here. I thought, you know, they might even build him up to be something akin to a bad luck Farley because I think he's got the potential to be that. I don't think he's got that monster in him. You know, he's a, he's a terrible promo and I don't think he can necessarily project himself with the same aura that a bad luck Farley could. He might get there in time. I don't know. I, I have seen improvements from him, but they've been very slow incremental improvements. And I feel the booking hasn't done him any favours. I mean, he's been placed against people in certain matches like the Carl Anderson and the Chase Owens match where they have just eaten him up, not let him have anything. And it's, that's not done him any favours. So I don't know if there's sort of a lack of respect for towards him from the people he's been wrestling against or the, the booking committee. I don't know. I'm just sort of looking ahead at what matches he's got left. He's got Ren, Umino, Suji and Kiyomiya. Like Conceivably, I could see him losing all of those, which is a bit worrying because I, I had him as one of my picks in our little Pickums contest on the Discord. So that's slightly alarming. Some people are saying, oh, he's been punished because he was talking to WWE and they think he's got one foot out the door. The whole thing is really weird. And, and, and again, we're only up to night six. So he could turn it all around and rip together a you know, string of four wins and that wouldn't stun me. But at this point... I'm I'm worried about Hikolo. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's proof that it, you know being a big guy doesn't necessarily mean it. It doesn't necessarily equate success. Um, he might be the least menacing giant in the history of pro wrestling. Like, do you get? menacing vibes from Hikaleo. Do you get monster, you know, batting down the hatches? This guy's going to cause chaos. This guy's just going to destroy everything in his path. Vibes from Hikaleo. I don't. I get, you know what I get? I get giant Gonzalez. <laughs> That's what I get. I get Eligante vibes from Hikaleo. Um, I, 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 I would love to see a ton more sandpaper in his game. I would love to see him just be menacing. Like he's, he's like, he is not, he is not menacing in the least, in the least. So like, if you're a big guy and like you're coming across like the fucking jolly green giant. Like wh- what? I don't like, unless you're a baby face, uh, what's the point? Like you have. And I think that goes for laying out the matches as well. Like I think when Chase Owens is, you know, discussing backstage, right. So I'm going to completely dominate this match. You're going to get nothing. There's going to be no baby face comeback. And I'm going to pin you with my secondary finisher. He should be saying, no, fuck that, you know, and standing up for himself and saying, no, I'm twice the size of you and I want more in this. And regardless of what the result of the match is, I think that's part of it as well. It's not just how he's projecting himself when the bell goes. I think, you know, he's a big dude and should be 
sticking up for himself when it comes to laying out the matches because from as we understand it you know they've got the autonomy to figure out how they get to that result they're told what the result is but how they get there that's up to them and I just it was he was just so meek and just got nothing against Chase Owens and I think he's got to take some responsibility for that as well yeah I mean I don't want to I don't want to sit here and, and say that I'm a fly on the wall backstage as they're working out shit but yeah, I mean, I don't know what that conversation looked like, but it did seem like he got sh- the short end of the stick a little bit. Um, and and you know what? Pro wrestling is weird in the sense of maybe it is a little bit of a punishment. May I, you know, stranger things have fucking happened, that's for sure. And whether that's consciously or, you know, subconsciously, subconsciously, unconsciously, whatever. You know what I mean? Um Look, he. What? What? What do you do with him? Like, what? What? What do you do with him? Because, again, the biggest beef that I have is that he is a completely unmenacing figure. Big, yes, yes, but so is Manute Bowl, and I don't think he's that fucking menacing either. You don't know who Manute Bowl is, do you? Uh, okay. I don't. Could you uh, just give us the Cliff Notes version? Big, this? tall basketball right. player uh, was known for blocking shots. He was very tall and very skinny. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's Manupal. All right, uh, let's move on to B block then. Um, hopefully, we'll get through the other blocks a bit faster. I think there is more to say about A block, but uh, we'll go through B block. Kazuchika Okada, six points. So he has had wins against Taichi, Grotokan, and ELP. I thought the Taichi match in particular was tremendous. And just, I, I suppose I'll come more to it when I talk about Taichi, actually. So I'll, I'll save that. But yeah, it's just Okada doing Okada things, absolutely dominant. Um, I like the way he used the sort of sit out pin thing that he used for the, was it the, the second fall in the Kenny Omega match at Dominion 2018? And he used that against Chris Jericho as well. So he's always got that in his locker where, even in those matches where he's not absolutely dominant, then he could use that to catch people out. And just a great opponent brought the absolute best out of Tai Chi. And I think probably has his best matches ahead of him. I mean, I'm really excited for the Yoshihashi match at Korakuen. That should be great. And of course, the Will Ospreay match coming up later. That's going to be epic as well. So what more can we say about Okada? Yeah, he's, you know, we talk about the changing of the guard and all, but, you know, Okada's not that old. Uh, you know, he's not—he's not like he's in his forties. Um, I mean, but that being said, he has a lot of mileage on him. But he's still just on like one of the greatest—one of the greatest of all time. He's just fucking like sometimes it looks like it, he's not even trying, but it still looks great. You know, to me, that's that is a sign of greatness when it feels like he's not even fucking putting in a thousand percent, and yet it's still like, whoa, what the fuck? You know, he's talented, talented pro wrestler. Uh, I, I again, I, I, a healthy Okada is, I would do anything to have back. Um, just like a 100% healthy. 
sometimes I wish he would take some time off, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, but he delivers every fucking time. So, I mean, yeah, one of the greatest. I liked uh, Tai Chi saying to him, are you going to challenge this KOPW title that you invented? And he's just rolling out of the ring, tapping on his watch, be like, no, I'm busy. There's <laughs> too much to do. <laughs> I know. He did invent it. It's his. This is his fault. For all the praise I put on him, I... Uh, yeah. Uh, but here's the thing, though. The KOP uh, championship, KOPW, uh, it's really not that bad. It's just insignificant. You know what I mean? Like you just shrug your shoulders and be like, okay, I, I, it's a fucking meaningless title. But, um, you know, the people who have held it recently have been uh, a pleasant surprise. So, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, okay, let's move on to Tai Chi, who has four points. Uh, of course, he got that big win against Osprey on the first night. And then he also has defeated... Defeated. Uh, no, so I'm looking at the wrong thing here. Uh, Tangela. So beat Tangela and then lost to Okada. I mean, the Tangela match was nothing to write home about, but I'm going to you know, save that when we're talking about Tangela. But I thought the Osprey match, Taichi was fucking tremendous yep. in that. Taichi, I think he gets the loudest baby face comeback pops than anyone on the roster post-pandemic. And his sense of of uh, laying out a match and his sense of timing and knowing you know when to strike to get the maximum reactions is impeccable and you know you felt so bad for him afterwards getting caught out against Okada you know like a, a football team conceding a, a last minute goal on the counter when they dominated the game and this great story of Okada being Taichi's white whale like one day Taichi is, is going to pin Okada in Sapporo the building will explode um, but just fantastic match man I, I keep saying every time we talk about him but Taichi always delivers uh, we, we also had a question, actually. I'm going to piggyback off this. This is uh, Scotty says, which mid-card would you most like to see win the G1? Taichi, Henare, ELP, or Great Okan? Uh, it would be Taichi for me just because he, he rules. He's the best. Taichi, I mean, again, long-time listeners of this show know the transformation that I have uh, undergone when it comes to Taichi. Um, he's low key in the past three years been one of the most consistent and uh, enjoyable wrestlers New Japan Pro Wrestling has had um, it's it's quite amazing actually um, the way that he has been able to still keep what makes Tai Chi Tai Chi but being able to kind of tone down the stuff that people didn't like and amp up the stuff that people do like um, and make it work at a time in his career when, let's be honest here, he didn't have to. He didn't have to do any of that. But, uh, you know, f- what for whatever reason, something clicked with him. And for whatever reason, something in his head said, okay, th- th- this is what I am going to do now. I love it. I love it. And, and you know, there's there's a part of me that's like, like what, what do you think the, as being the biggest Tai Chi supporter there is on planet Earth? Like, when was that moment for you? Or, like, when was that moment of he's, you know, he's, like making it happen for himself. 
Um, and for me, it was like his Shingo matches. Like those matches were unbelievably great. Um, more than they should have been. And it's been consistent. It, like he's been just consistent in the past three years. But I, I guess I'll throw it to you. Like what, what? when was that moment where you're like, okay, this is a guy? Uh, I th- think it was the start of 2018. It was a Takataichi Mania show where he had a singles match with Naito. Mm-hmm. So this was just when he's moving to heavyweight. And that was the moment where I was like, yeah, this this guy's got it. He was all the stuff that he'd done prior, which I enjoyed, you know, his shitbag junior run. But I knew there was more to it than that, and he was capable of more. So that Naito match, and, and I think they had another one in March that had a follow-up singles match at the anniversary show. That was the point I could see, like, yeah, I'm I'm ahead of the curve with this guy. People are going to come around eventually. And, you know, we went through our... Uh, what was it, the cartwheel deathmatch stuff with him and Goto towards the sort of latter half of 2018. And just, it wasn't quite there in as much as winning over the doubters and the casual fans. But at this point now, like, everyone's come around. There cannot be a single person watching this product with a bad word to say about Taiji. Yeah, I don't don't, don't know how you could. Um, I don't don't know how you could. And, you know, even his tag stuff with Zach... um, like he's to me, he's been one of the most consistent guys in the past three years. I'll, I'll never have a bad thing to say about Taichi. And then we have Will Osprey, who has four points. So Osprey has uh, obviously had that defeat to Taichi on the, the second night, and has since defeated Yoshihashi and Kenta. I thought all three of those matches. I mean, your mileage may vary on the ear selling. I quite enjoyed it. I thought the Taichi match was great. Yoshihashi match, fucking yep. brilliant. Kenta match. I mean. Having that match with Kenta, you know, we'll come on to Kenta in, in a bit, but I don't know if it was something that Osprey said or something that he did to get that Kenta to come back. But, you know, we'll, we'll throw Kenta's flowers for that performance when we talk about Kenta, but Osprey is just absolutely killing it right now. And I think kind of flying under the radar with how good he's been, to be honest. I mean, having killer matches with Yoshihashi and Kenta. You know, these are not the, the, the tippy-toppy guys in the block. You know, he still hasn't wrestled Okada yet. He's not wrestled ELP yet. Those are the matches you'd be thinking like, yeah, we're, we're going to get the bangers here. And of course, he's got the great Okada match coming up against his fellow stablemate. But the fact that he's just had what I think are three killer matches against, you know, Taichi is fantastic, but Yoshihashi and Kenta. And again, this is not me damning Yoshihashi. I, I love Yoshihashi as well. But my point is the consistently high level at which Osprey delivers is remarkable and um you know we've thrown plenty of flowers at him over the years but i can't i can't ignore it i can't look at these three matches and just hand wave that because they're, they're terrific and we've also got this extra thing aramitha says osprey's talked about wanting to make the u.s belt the new intercontinental championship do we need to bring that back should we restore it as the default semi-main match belt uh, antonio asked a similar question I, I mean i think the man makes the belt not the other way around it's the matches and the person who's holding it and the, the way that they treat it. So, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a red strap or a white strap. I think if he is delivering matches of this quality as consistently as he is, then that is what's going to elevate the title, not what color the strap is. But Osprey, sorry, he's brilliant. I don't know what else I can say about him. Yeah. Look, you know, all those matches that uh, here's the true test, like go reverse that. Like every, everybody's best match you know, is against Osprey, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, 
Yeah, there's no doubt, and 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 it is consistent. Like, I I I can't, I'm really hard pressed to think of a match where he kind of phoned it in. Like, say what you will, you might not like his style. You might not like, like he doesn't just phone it in. Never, never. And for that, I'll I'll give him all the credit in the world. Um, and let's throw on top of that, you know, he's selling out buildings. You know, that Toronto show for, you know, the Forbidden Door show. I mean, that was a lot of that had to do with that main event. Now, again, you could argue, well, Kenny was the, okay, you need two to tango. If Kenny's wrestling fucking, you know, I don't know. I, I, again, I'm just going to throw a name out there. Yoshihashi, Hiroki Goto, that, bu- that building's not selling out. The hype is for that match. Uh, and also the dome. Let's be honest. So, look, I, uh, I mean, he's hands down fucking wrestler of the year because it's just consistency to, to, to be able to do what he does on a consistent basis, um, is it. And in spots where, like, like you said, like where he doesn't have right. to. You know, he would have been absolutely justified in that Yoshihashi match. I don't know if it was like third or fourth match on the show to be like, oh, come on, you know, let's just get in and out of a little nice little seven minute match. But no, he doesn't do no, that. Never. <laughs> like, never. Um, and that's and and that's with a banged up body. And that's with all the, the fucking travel that he does. And, you know, look, again, I, I'm not questioning. I don't know the guy. He's he. I, I've met him three times, and every time he's been very nice and gentlemanly and whatever. I don't know. Um, like he, he wasn't a, a turd, but I don't know him, and I don't know like if you know what he was like before or if he's changed. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know. And again, I think his social media presence in the past has been questionable at best. But in ring, phew, my God, I, I don't know. I don't know how people can sit here and just fucking shit on him. Like, at the very least, you got to tip your cap at the guy for giving a thousand percent every fucking time he steps in the ring. Whether you like him, you don't like him, you like his style, you don't like his style, he fucking goes. A hundred percent every match. It's pretty awesome. Uh, we also have Yoshihashi, who is on four points as well. So he has uh, lost to Will Ospreay and then defeated Tangaloa. And yeah, he's a guy who I think is sort of creeping up in that Taichi territory for me, for a guy you can rely on for, at worst, a good match. Um, he's. I'm just thinking like the... You know, we throw flowers at the Osprey match. I thought he was terrific then, but also the Tangaloa match. I mean, Tangaloa's looked like shit to be honest, and you know we'll talk about him in a moment. But I thought Yoshihashi carried him to a passable match. And there was a brief blessed moment when he went for the inside cradle after twenty seconds. I was like, yes, he's going to spare us uh, the, the misery of watching an extended Tangaloa match. But you know, they went a lot longer, and it wasn't horrible. And I'm throwing the praise for that to Yoshihashi. Again, a guy who takes pride in his work and doesn't matter where you put him on the card, he is always going to give 100%. And 
100% Yoshihashi in 2023 is a, a very valuable thing. I think, you know, when we're talking about cutting the G1 down to 20, potentially, he is a guy, honestly, I would not want to lose because he is low-key one of the most consistently high performers in the G1. Yeah, he's, he's not the same guy that he was four years ago, five years ago. That's That's for certain. Um, I mean, you know, we had our own little jokes, you know, the whole fucking bag of socks. Um, he's not a bag of socks anymore. The, the I mean, I wonder what that young lady in that interview who cried over Yoshihashi, uh, I wonder what she's feeling. I, I bet you, you know what? She's probably pumping her chest a little bit. You know, just kind of like, I told you fucks. Uh, I, I don't know. Every time I see him now, I kind of I picture that young lady crying in that interview uh, over Yoshihashi being her favorite wrestler. He's look. I don't think anybody doubted the fact that he was good. I think people just doubted the sense that he would. You should take him seriously, and the idea and and, and he was bland as fuck. Um, do I think he's still bland as fuck? Kinda, but, but you're right. Like if you tap him on the shoulder, he can go. And I don't think anybody's going to question that anymore. All right. Tangelo has got two points. So he has, uh, had that win over Kenta on the second night, but has since lost to just find him here. Lost to Yoshihashi, lost to Taichi. Um, I mean, the Taichi match was pretty horrible. He, he seems to struggle to execute basic moves now. They repeat the finishing spot. I don't know if it's like he couldn't take a Black Mephisto, but they fucked up the ghetto clutch thing and then went back to that again. I don't know if he was not supposed to kick out of it the first time. Yoshihashi match wasn't horrible, but it wasn't good either. You know, I don't think I can say that, oh yeah, the you know, you've got to watch this one because it wasn't. It just wasn't as horrible as his previous matches. Um, hopefully, this is a situation where he is sort of growing into the tournament and sort of limbering up physically and can elevate his performances. But I, I still don't think he should be there. He's not at the required standard for me. Yeah, I mean, not for nothing. Name me a, a, a match of his that um, even before any type of... Uh, um, Injury or or stop, you know. There's name me a great match of his. I don't think there is. I don't think there is. I don't even think there's a very good singles match. Not that he's given a ton of opportunity. Shouldn't be in the tournament. Like and and I think, truth be told, like he is actively making the tournament worse. <laughs> <laughs> like like excluding him would be a positive as opposed to uh you know missing out on that i i i don't know I, and i and i i do question the fact that uh it, why was he even offered a spot i don't understand it but here's where we are um very disappointing, and again, trying. Tr- I, I'm not going to say that he's not trying, because he definitely is. It, but I, like, it's just not there. 
It's just not there. Let's. I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, it's just not there. And Kenta has got two points. So he defeated Okan, uh, lost to Will Ospreay, lost to Tangaloa. He's a guy who I, I'm not going to say that he is washed, but functionally, like for all intents and purposes, he is. Because he picks and chooses his spots, which I completely understand, you know, the age he is and how broken down he is. But that Osprey match kind of made me more angry because you can still that you can see that he can still go when he wants to. And as much as I would like to annoy a lot of people by calling it an Osprey carry job, it wasn't that because Kenta brought it. You know, he brought full energy, full intensity. He was laying it on hard. He he went hard in that match, and it was great. So he is capable of doing it. But obviously, the state that he's in at the moment, he cannot do that day in day out. You know, that's not realistic to expect that so I think these sorts of matches happen with him so infrequently he shouldn't be in tournaments like this he should be a guy who wrestles high profile singles matches like four times a year just save it for the big occasions where he is willing and able to go at the at that intensity that we come to hope and expect from him because otherwise you know don't bother what's the point um so, yeah, well, I was ready to just say, uh, the guy's cooked, let's get him out of there. The Osprey match was fantastic, so I can't ignore that. Right. I mean, he's... I mean, sometimes I think it's the booking of him. Um, and again, it, it might be the case of a guy who, you know, needs to have him booked a certain way because physically um, he can't do what he did five, ten probably closer to 10 years ago. Uh, does he still have it in him? Well, you could see that he does. Um, can it be something that he does on on a even on a semi schedule? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know, but he but like but something look, he he did it. So it's there, right? And you're right, can can he do it consistently is the question. I mean, I think he. There's plenty of doubters, um, but you're, you're right. Like to me, he's a guy that can go big match um, when the time is right, as opposed to being a guy in the grind of not only a G1 but like a regular full time schedule. Um, I really think he'll be a lot more active in the states um, with strong with guys in the dojo. Um, stuff like that, like that makes perfect sense. He can go back to Florida and fucking sit in the sun. Um, but I was very, I was, I was not, not impressed because he, but I was, you know, but that's not the, the gist of it. Like, I was really happy to see that Will Ospreay match. Like, I was happy for him. Like, I was like, okay, you know, like, I'm sure he came back to the, to the locker room. I don't know. Do you think he had something to prove? Do you think he had that maybe even to himself, you know, maybe, maybe even to himself that he can still go. Um, He's got a lot of mileage on him, Joel. He's got a lot of fucking mileage, but I was thrilled for him to be able to, to pull that off with Will. 
Okay, next is Great Okan, who has two points. So Okan has obviously lost to Okada, and then he defeated Kenta. Oh no, sorry, he lost to Kenta as well. He defeated El Fantasmo. So the ELP match, that was the two guys who were on two losses. And I suppose the most notable thing from that was um, the nipple twisting <laughs> spot where uh, he did the, what's the word for it? The Ahegao face. That's what it's called when, you know, pulling the sex face. So um, something's up with Greo Khan. I mean, I think he's not had a brilliant tournament. I thought he really sort of stepped up in the back end of the ELP match, and that's more that I want to see from him. The Okada match was a lot of nothing. The Kenta match was horrible. Um, but I think we need to see something big from him in this Osprey match, both in terms of match quality and also narratively. I would like to see some upward momentum from Great Okan because uh, there's not been a, a huge amount to cheer about as a Great Okan supporter. And I'm hoping that there is something brewing there you know, potentially, if this is Osprey going to AEW at some point in the future, Greta Khan being primed to take over as leader of United Empires with a win over Osprey in the tournament as fuel for that. I don't know, but that is that that's a, a huge match for him. It is. And it's been once again a long road to where we are now, which is doesn't seem like it's much further than when we started. As a matter of fact, it feels like it's less. Um, I don't know. I think, does it feel to you as if even the whole concept of the United Empire has kind of lost a lot of fucking steam? Yeah, I don't know how much that was Aussie Open leaving. That did seem to deflate things significantly. Yeah. I mean, that was a faction that was red hot. You know, it seemed like they were clicking on all cylinders. Um, even with like Gideon Gray, yeah, you know, all yeah, they just they feel disunited, don't they? For a group that's called United Empire, they are disunited. It feels like they're very disparate, and you know, you got Osprey doing his thing in in other countries, and it's not often you get to see them all together because the fact that it's such an international stable means that it just feels a bit disconnected. Right. It's very it, yeah, you spread it out, and it becomes very thin. Um, and even like a guy like Hanare who. You know, he changed up his look and good for him. He's, you know, it seems like he's, this G1 has been, you know, he's taken off. Like, but does does he fit now in United Empire? Um, Great Okan just kind of feels like he's spinning his wheels. And even to a certain degree, Jeff Cobb, you know, uh, it, yeah, it does feel like United Empire has lost a lot of steam. Let's put it that way. And then we've got El Fantasma, who's got zero points. He's lost all his matches. So he's lost against Okada. He's lost against Yoshikashi. He's lost against Great Okan. Um, ah. So, again, I think this is storyline stuff because his match against Okada, I thought it was a really good match. You know, nice near falls there. The crowd were really into him. Um, and same with the Great Okan match. Like, I, I, I think it was good to see him in a match with an actual passionate crowd that appreciates him because honestly I think you know people saying that ELP isn't over as a baby face I just think that's not accurate every time I see him in matches with decent crowds and decent venues they're into him and 
I really think he's an effective babyface. The booking hasn't pulled the trigger on him yet, and I'm not saying he's going to be a, a megastar or champion or anything like that. But, you know, you want me to really put the cat among the pigeons? I think El Fantasmo has got more natural babyface heat than Sonata. How about that? And I think Sonata has got, you know, plenty of supporters. But I just, I love the desperation and intensity from him. And, and of course, we have to mention the fact that he, El Fantasmo found out that his grandfather had passed away an hour before this match started. Mm. So, again, whilst the booking is not reflecting uh, all, you know, the, the amount that I gassed him up saying, you know, he was going to get a big push, I would be very, very surprised if he didn't pick up a few big wins between now and the end of the tournament. And again, I'm circling the Osprey match uh, at, at the end of the tournament. I'm not necessarily saying he's going to win, but I think things are going to turn around for him. And, and again, I do think he's got a lot of baby face upsides. Um, I've seen it, you know, matches the New Japan Cup match with Naito. I don't think that's something New Japan are just going to ignore because for, for me, like the way I'm perceiving it, it is very real. It's there. No doubt. Um, I guess I think a lot of us expected a little bit more than where he's at when it comes to booking. I mean, every indicator had him kind of being skyrocketed. Um, and it has been a little bit of a disappointment in the sense of, you know, the whole Bullet Club thing. It, it feels like it's kind of dead in the water right now. Um, I don't know. I mean, he, 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 I don't think he's a bad baby face by any stretch, but that being said, like he's in that baby, like to me, he's in that and, and quickly becoming in that Tongaloa kind of spot <laughs> where he's a baby face that you know in the middle of the card um and i think that there's there should be better things ahead for him but right now it doesn't necessarily feel like that's in the works um and i'll go so far as to say has g1 been in impressive enough for you i don't know i don't know and i think better things are yet to come as the tournament goes on but it's not like there's a huge buzz around elp no uh, i seem to be <laughs> one of the few people flying the flag for him but i i stand by him i think he's been good um all right we're gonna have to be a bit faster yes. the remaining block so uh block c we've got uh david finlay on six points so he's won all his matches so far, so he uh, has defeated Ishii, he defeated Evil, he's defeated Mikey Nichols. Um, nothing hugely impressive. I think a lot of people, myself included, were a little bit disappointed with the Evil match. Not with the match itself, but the, the lack of storyline progression where nothing really happened. There was nothing definitive. David Finney got a, a pretty dominant and comprehensive win, I think. Um, so that's something in and of itself. He's getting very strong booking performances haven't been anything to write home about. He's been fine. He's been okay. Um, I mean, do we want to stop and discuss each guy or should I just go through all the C block and then... You can yeah, let's do course. that. That might be better. Yeah. Um, evil, I mean, evil is evil. He's He's been fine. He's been okay. I mean, if you... Your mileage may vary on the shenanigans. I think he's been all right. It's, it's sort of broken up the, the card somewhat. Um, Eddie Kingston. Yeah, I mean, I've, I said 
from Jump Street, you know, this, the, the idea of Eddie Kingston being in a grade one climax does not play to his strengths and I thought it was a bad idea. I don't think he is a wrestler that is this sort of environment is going to showcase his strengths. He's a guy I think at his best with deeply personal and emotional blood feuds where he can cut passionate promos and, and have those um, blood and thunder matches. And I think the, the G1 is showing him up a bit. I think the matches have been okay, but they're not great really. I don't, I, again, I still think it's a mistake having him in, in a tournament like this, but uh, we'll see. Mikey Nichols has been fine. He's been working hard. Tamatonga, yeah, he's he's okay. Tamatonga's fine. I mean, I, I think a guy may well benefit from a, something fresh. I think he's hit his ceiling in New Japan. Hinare, I think, has been outstanding. I think this new sort of the way he's reinventing himself, tapping into that real, really authentic sense of his sort of Maori culture and heritage. And is you know, it's not a gimmick. He's not just doing it for show like others might do. This is real to him and he's found that inspiration to reinvent himself. And I think he's working his socks off and I think he's sort of carrying himself with confidence. He's got that monster in him and I think he looks great. The matches have been really exciting. Shingo match was absolutely fantastic. One of my favorite matches, maybe my favorite match of the tournament so far. Like didn't go a hundred miles an hour kind of built quite methodically and intelligently to those big power spots. It really maximised the drama and, you know, can Hinari get the streets arranged? Can he get the pin? And, you know, got close enough to the time limit to make the, the win all the more thrilling. And, and I think even the people who've dragged their feet on him are starting to acknowledge that how good Hinari is. And he's starting to live up to that potential. Um, Shingo, Ishii, I mean, what, what more can we say about them? They, they are very, very good. So they're great to have in this sort of tournament environment. I thought they had a... Really good match today. You know, as, as much as those matches may be a bit one note and a bit formulaic, I thought they needed it today to get the crowd back on board. And it's a pretty lifeless show overall. So, uh, yeah, that is a C block in a nutshell. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, yes, yeah, I'll work my way backwards. Ichi, Shingo, I mean, they're studs. They, they, this is not their first dance. So they know what's expected. Um, and, Truth be told, that I, I feel like they always seem to deliver. So no worries there. Evil is evil. I mean, I don't know. What do you? What, what do you, I don't know? What do you want me to say? Uh, David Finley. It's obvious that they're going hard with him. You know, it's, you know, being a leader of Bullet Club does mean something. Um, is he is he giving you just bangers of matches? Probably not, but um, I think I think he's doing what needs to be done. How about that? Uh, Hinare has been outstanding, and dare I say, been one of the MVPs so far. Um, it is amazing when guys find whatever they need to find. Um, and a lot of that has to do with gimmick and a lot of that has to do with creative freedom and a lot of that has to do with giving them an opportunity. And I think Hanari has done magically with, with all the above and, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled for the guy and I'm thrilled for the fact that, um, new Japan would give, you know, him, let's be honest, multiple chances, right? Multiple chances. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think everything else is what you said. I don't no need to beat the dead horse. 
Yeah, I mean, there is less to say about C block and D block, to be honest. Uh, D block, then we've got Zach Sabre Jr. on six points. I mean, Zach is great. <laughs> I have nothing new or fresh to say about Zach. I think his matches have uh, been really good. Uh, who did he wrestle? He had... Oh, Yano, yeah. He actually helped Yano have a funny match. He did a lot of the comedic heavy lifting there, but it was good stuff. It was entertaining. And then the match he had today against... Fuck, who did he wrestle today? It was just a matter of hours ago, and I've completely forgotten who he wrestled. Uh, it was um, Alex Coughlin. Yes. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, Zach's, that's great. We love Zach. Uh, Jeff Cobb, I think, has uh, been probably one of the more impressive performers in the D block. I like how he's adding some shithousery to his game and you know doing the air banjo or air ukulele, whatever he was doing against um, Tanahashi today. I thought that was a really good match. So... Good to see him going strong. I think it's a shame that he got his big push during COVID, so I would like to see him getting a, a bit of a sustained push in front of the cheering crowds because I think he's a great performer. He deserves it. Uh, Goto, four points. I mean, yeah, it's, it's Hiroki Goto. I can't say any more about that. Uh, Tetsuya Naito has been good. He's also on four points. Uh, the Yano match was very, very funny today where he took about 25 minutes to get to the ring. I thought that was really hilarious. I think he should have just done the roll-up and pinned him as soon as the bell went. That would have been the good payoff. And I, I think Yano matches are coming... They've, they've been so close, this G1, to being brilliant. Like, the Goto match, should have that should have finished with Goto pinning him when he was wearing the mascot's mask. The uh, Zack match, they should have done the match with um, Fujita acting as Zack and Yuto Nakashima acting as Yano. They should have wrestled that match, the Young Lions wrestling it in role as those wrestlers. That would have been hilarious. And the Naito match, I think it would have been much better if Naito just pinned him straight away after all that fucking about with the entrance. But um, there we go. At least Yano's got some fresh material. Um, uh, Tanahashi. Yeah, Tanahashi's been doing okay, actually. He's been holding up physically a lot better than I thought he would. Um, so I don't know what you know black magic he's using to keep himself together, but I hope he's able to sustain it because he's um, my my worst fears have not yet been realised with him. I was really worried about how we get on in this G1. He's doing okay so far, Touchwood. Uh, Shane Haste, he, he's been all right. I mean, again, hasn't done enough for me to want him back next year. I would like to see a bit more from him. Uh, Alex Coughlin, he, he's zero points. I mean, he's been pretty good, actually. I thought the Jeff Cobb match was a really good showcase. I thought Cobb gave him a lot there. Cobb was very generous and the amount of big bumps and big spots that he let Coughlin do. And that is a good counterpoint to the Chase owens Hickelow match, where Chase gave Hickelow fuck all. But here, in this Cobb-Coughlin match, despite Coughlin being a relative rookie, Cobb was extremely generous and took some big bumps from him, even though Cobb won the match. So that's a, an example of how you can win a match, but also help your rookie opponent look strong in defeat. So that's my thoughts on D. Yeah, Tanahashi, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with one sentence. Cheryl walks in the room and she goes, what are you watching? And I was like, well, wrestling, obviously. And she goes, why is that guy beating up a girl? <laughs> Tanahashi. <laughs> I swear to God. I was like, that's Hiroshi Tanahashi. He's like, oh, really? Wow. He looks nice. <laughs> Rolls her eyes. Um, yeah. Zach is great. We know that. Uh, Jeff Cobb has been good, but I haven't. I mean, he's just kind of middle of the road, but I don't know what else we expected. Shane same thing like i mean kind of there <laughs> you know to, for for lack of a better term um naito i mean has there what what i mean 
has there been anything that stood out? I, I, well, I'll tell you what. Yano has been surprisingly entertaining. For all the sh- the fucking knocks we give Yano, at least it is some new material. So, okay. It hasn't been great. And, and Zach just being a guy that's common sense is, is fucking hilarious. Yes, of course he's going to bring tape to tape up the turnbuckle. Oh, why wouldn't you? Yes, he's going to bring scissors because, yeah, <laughs> why wouldn't you? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I did like that a lot. So um, I'm sorry this is an abbreviated uh, review of D, but, um, yeah, it is what it is. I got I to gotta bug out. No, I think that's about all, all that D block warranted. There is just there is less to say about C block and D block. So um, yeah, is that it? Should we yeah, wrap up? We, yeah, we need to. Okay, all right. Redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash j dash cast. If you want to throw some money our way, Discord link. I don't know why you would want to join. Please Discord, don't. But if you do, please you don't. <laughs> the absolute insanity and madness that has overcome. Uh, if you want to see what um, Halal Benoit looks I like, don't see I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I do not want to see it. Uh, at Cobra Kawaii Pro Wrestling Tees.com forward slash Super Jcast for our t shirts. Thanks to editor Dan. Find him on Twitter at LoudonHero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. I might be doing a little guest appearance on the show coming up oh. this week. Watch this oh. space. Uh, give us a five snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Super Jcast. Thank you everyone for listening and goodbye. Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks.